0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. We're continuing our study in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 65, where God speaks of creating a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm going to read from verse 17 through the end of the chapter. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed, and they shall build houses and inhabit them, And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of Jehovah. And their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy, in all my holy mountain, saith Jehovah. And I'll stop reading there. Now, um, we were looking at verse 18 in our last study, And I'll read that again. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Here God calls for being glad and rejoicing forever in that which he created. It's uh, interesting that in Joel chapter 2, in a verse... Where, or a couple of verses, where the Lord lays out His gospel program, His um, program for evangelization of the earth, that He also speaks of being glad and rejoicing. In Joel 2, in verse 21, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for Jehovah will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad, therefore, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow, with wine and oil. And here with the seasons of rain producing the fruit, God is laying down uh, his gospel program for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which the former rain moderately or the uh, former righteous rain, early righteous rain produced Jesus, and the former rain or the early rain uh, brought forth the first fruits, all those saved during the church age, and finally, the latter rain, uh, it, it brought forth a great multitude saved during the second part of the great tribulation. And all of these form the elect. They form heavenly Jerusalem. So through God's gospel, uh, the, the city Jerusalem, the spiritual heavenly city jerusalem comprised of all god's elect was formed and and so it's a similar thing when god says be glad and rejoice uh, in relationship to the sending forth of the rain because it does produce jerusalem or through it god saves all of the elect and it it is that all of the elect that he's speaking of in Isaiah 65 in verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. And we won't go there, but we, we could turn to Revelation. Um, in in Revelation chapter 21 where God goes into detail concerning spiritual Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, and it's very obvious it is, um, he even calls it the bride of Christ. It is all those that were saved, um, all whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life that God saved and brought together as one, and And so, therefore, be glad and rejoice in the gospel program of God that would uh, eventually result in the formation of the bride, in the complete body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on uh, to say here in verse 19 of Isaiah 65, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. God explains uh, what he means by rejoicing in his people or rejoicing in Jerusalem um, in more detail in Jeremiah thirty two beginning in verse thirty six. Jeremiah thirty two thirty six. Through, I'll read through verse 42. And now, therefore, thus saith Jehovah, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them, in mine anger, and in my fury, and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart, with my whole soul. For thus saith Jehovah, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. Here, uh, back in, um, let's see, in in verse... Um, oh, verse 40, And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that will not turn away from them to do them good. Uh, oh, verse 41, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. I will rejoice over them to do them good. That That is more um, explicitly what God intends when He says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, And joy in my people. It is God's intent to do them good. And it will, it will uh, remember when God saved all of the elect. Why did he save them? According to his own good pleasure. He saved out of good pleasure and then he will rejoice over them eternally. In, in a similar way, the the purpose for um, God's rejoicing over them is to do them good. In Isaiah 62, it says in verse 4, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hebzeba, and thy land Beulah, For Jehovah delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. You you see, God's plan is to rejoice over his bride, the Uh, spiritually, the, the body of the elect, the whole company of the elect that all those that God has saved have come together. The bride has made herself ready and the, the bride consists of every individual that has ever been, um, ever been saved from Abel until the last right before May 21, 2011. They are the bride of Christ. And God will rejoice over them as a husband over a bride. In Zephaniah chapter three, Zephaniah three, we read beginning in verse fourteen, Sing, O daughter of Zion, and Zion and Jerusalem are synonymous, shall, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Jehovah hath taken away thy judgments; he has cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel. Even Jehovah is in the midst of thee; thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not; and to Zion, Let not thine hands be slack. Jehovah thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save; he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly, who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee, and will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith Jehovah. Now, we've discussed uh, some of the language in in this passage of gathering and and so forth, and it's pointing to God bringing together his people unto him as they come uh, in approach to... um, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles and, and, and the Bible indicates the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles will be the last day of Earth's existence. And that's another good reason why we look forward with expectation to October 7th, 2015 as being the last day. And this would be the day God has gathered the precious fruit of the earth. And no man comes before him empty. They themselves are the fruit. And, and then the Lord takes his people into the new heaven and into the new earth. And he joys over them. He rejoices over them with joy. He joys over them with singing. It, it It's a joyful picture that God is painting of his reaction, his um, feelings, his um, the 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 um, response of God to the people that He has redeemed to His elect. Now, this is completely different than than God's response to unsaved mankind. God has not been able. To rejoice over the sinner, those men that were created in His very image because of sin, God has not been pleased or or rejoiced over them. He's been displeased and angry and 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 so uh, it, it's quite a different uh, circumstance in the world to come. When the Lord makes new creatures that are pleasing to him in every way, and and therefore he will be able to joy over them with singing. And those uh, new creatures will enter, what does the Bible tell us? Into the joy of their Lord. In Matthew 25, in a parable of the... The separation of the sheep and the goats, it says, or or let's see, is that the right parable? No, that this is this is another parable of um, the servants that had to reckon with their lord, and and the faithful ones. It says in Matthew twenty five twenty one, his lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And of course, the last one comes, who was wicked and slothful, and uh, and and he uh, did not multiply the talent. Uh, he he did not um, do anything but hide it, and and he did not enter into the joy of the Lord. There was no rejoicing over him. Uh, God did not. Rejoice over him with singing, but the others though that typify the people that he has saved enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, it, it's a different matter. It's a completely different matter to enter into a world, into a creation where the creator is pleased with you. Now we have not experienced that unless uh, maybe uh, John the Baptist or someone like that, but but for the most part we have all been born into this world in, in our sin um, our sinful condition in a sin cursed earth where God is displeased with the sinner, with us. Before salvation, he was angry at us. The wrath of God abode upon us, and he and because of God's displeasure with man, he cursed the creation, and as a result, we have lived in a world of earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and disease and 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 so forth. That uh, things do not go right. There, there's always trouble. There's always difficulty. There's always um, sorrow and sadness and pain and affliction and etc. 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 in this sin-cursed earth, because God's displeasure, His furious wrath, has always been upon this world. But the circumstance is completely different in the entrance into the new heaven and new earth, wherein righteousness dwells, where God has formed a people, created a people for himself, equipped them with new bodies, new souls that are sinless, that are perfect in righteousness and holiness. And and uh, that means God is not uh angry with them about anything there's no sin that provokes the wrath of God and and because he's not angry with them he has not cursed that creation. Therefore it, it as it, it it will be as though God is smiling down upon them every second of every day to use time language, day after day uh into eternity future there there is uh never going to be a time where god is angry with them where god is furious with them and and there will never be um the the uh, resulting uh curse upon that creation and that would mean that the creation will remain good forever and it will not ever be a hindrance the the creation it will not be designed uh, to present um, obstacles and difficulties or problems it, it will not grow uh, thorns and briars it, it will always be in perfect condition and man in perfect condition Will work in perfect harmony with the creation, with the, whatever other creatures there are. There will be perfect, uh, unity in all doing service to God and joying in that service and God rejoicing and joying in them, in that which he has created. There, there will be just a wonderful, uh, beautiful, um attitude and atmosphere it's all positive it's all good it's all um happiness and and beauty and blessing uh in in every aspect no matter how you look at it, which is completely the opposite of the circumstances of this world and and uh so Uh, This this is a wonderful statement. Um, uh, Really, it's full of tremendous significance when God says, But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. The time of being glad and rejoicing is not temporal. It's not for a season, or it's not for uh any any certain length of time, no matter how long that might be, it is forever it is endless it will continue uh, on and on and and uh, God says, for behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying, the voice of weeping, no more heard nor crying, and right away, we think of um, this this uh, perhaps um, the g- most um, <laughs> glorious passage in the Bible. Uh, we we can't say that, but uh, it it's just full of uh, wonderful a language that is describing that which is to come. In Revelation 21, beginning in verse 3, it says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven. Well, actually, I'm going to back up the verse 2, so we see that the bride and Jerusalem are, are in view. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. No more tears. No more crying. Uh, uh, and we, we can't imagine it. We can't imagine it that, that there would be life there would be uh the ability to live for any length of time without tears and without crying can you can you think of something like that can you really imagine it we can't in th- in this world from our perspective because we know in this world happiness is very short-lived. the 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 times of peace or or joy, the the times that we um, love in this world. We know they they have time limits. When we get married, when we have children, when we build a house, when we have a home or or career. Whatever it is, it's only for a season. It's it's for a short period of time, even though, of course, we don't look upon 20, 30, or 40 years as short. But it really is, in comparison to eternity, it's nothing at all. And, and yet we know that in 20, 30 years, the husband will die. The wife will die. The son or daughter could die, uh, or, or there's a breakup in the family and uh, there, there's just a million different things that interfere with man's pursuit of happiness and peace and ongoing tranquility, ongoing joy in this world. And, and there is always, uh, Something that comes between our desire, and we do have a desire, don't we? All of us. We have a desire to be happy, to be joyful. We we want uh, peace and love, and we want good things, yet our obtaining of them is always brief. It's It's always just a little while. Just a little while, we're we're able to feel happy. We're able to have joy uh, just, just for a short time, and then it's gone. And often, the reason is something comes along, and especially death, enters in, and instead of joy, instead of rejoicing, instead of happiness, we're full of tears and crying and sorrow and pain and anguish. And we recover, we recover, and we again pursue happiness and joy. And we may get a hold of it for a little bit. And what follows? Something else, some other trouble. If it's not death, it's disease, or it, it's um, a, a literal earthquake, that destroys our home, or it's something that that happens in this world. There, there is no consistency. There is no um, steadiness. That this world is unstable. It you cannot establish a real home or real life in this world. People think they do establish homes and establish lives in this world, but the fact that they lose their homes and lose their lives proves that you cannot establish a real home or life in this world. Because a real home and a real life, you know, on um, um, Facebook often, and also on Twitter, actually, probably we hear this wherever we share the gospel and especially as we're speaking of things related to an end of time, to the end of the world. The people will just kind of shake their head and say, get a life, get a life. And and, and you, there's a million people nodding their heads in agreement. Get a life. That is what they mean is join us in and, and being content with this uh, existence in this world that they call life. This is what life is. Go get a life by um, trying to be as happy as you can each Friday night by buying some beer and 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 doing some drugs and and enjoying yourself while the high lasts. But what happens after the high? You come down with a hangover. You feel miserable about the things you said and did. Get a life. But how do we get that life? Well, come out to the stadium for three hours painted half green and half white and scream yourself hoarse and, and root, root, root for your team. It, it, really, it's worship, worship, worship your false God. And then when the other team wins in the last second, where's your life? Or maybe not that game, but by the end of the year, when your team Loses and doesn't make the playoffs, or is kicked out of the playoffs. Oh, where's your life? It, it, it's it, it's down down on the ground because your God has failed you, and or when you've worked twenty years for the same company and you've climbed the ladder of success and then they lay you off. Where's your life? Or when you um you you get married and your life is wrapped up in your house in your your husband your wife in your children and you're married for 11 years or 12 or 15 years and then divorced or um one of the spouses die where is your life or if you're Your life is all wrapped up in your children. Oh, my children are everything to me. They are the reason I live. I love them. And then when your children get to be 18 or 21 or or a little older, and they, they don't want anything more to do with you, they got their own life, they go their own way, and there's a split, and where's your life? Where's your life? In anything in this world, no matter how much hope you put in it, you can count on it disappointing you in the end. But the life, real life, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in John 1 verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And Christ never leaves nor forsakes his people. Therefore, the fact is, the only people in this world to truly have life are those that God has saved his elect. So if anyone ever says you get a life, say, well, by God's grace, I have life. I have the life, the way, and the truth. But what about you? What about you? you? It seems you do not have life, and uh, you know um, we we uh, have it, everything. We have it all uh, if we have salvation. If we have Christ, well, always we could give give many examples. Always. There, there will be tears and sorrow and crying and pain in this world. People who say, uh, why do you want the world to end? Are, are, uh, you know, they, they look at you a little askew and, and they're quizzical and they wonder, what is your problem? Why would you want the world to end? And they, they say that because this is all they have. This is everything they will ever have. But it's not the case for the child of God. We have an eternal possession awaiting with eternal joy and eternal gladness uh, there for us. And and so uh, it's a completely different perspective, whether we're saved or unsaved, in in regards to how we view the last day. And we should not allow the unsaved in in their uh, fearful dread of losing the things of this life which they it's guaranteed they're going to lose anyway uh, eventually over the course of time and we should not allow them to uh, insinuate that it's some sort of perverse thing for a child of god to want the the. Uh, the glorious and wonderful and incredible things that God promises are there for His people that, that dwarf. They, there is just no comparison to the eternal weight of glory with the temporal, uh, cursed things that, that we're presently experiencing in this life. So of course, it, it's completely normal it's most sane to desire the lord jesus christ to come and fulfill his promises the things that he has said we have a hope and an expectation for eternal life and they do not everything in this world is interrupted and with sorrow death tears and crying but uh, but uh, God says, not in that world, not in that world for um, his people. Let's go back to Isaiah 65. And uh, again, in verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem, enjoy joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Let me just go to one other verse Um, that uses the word weeping. It's in Psalm 30, Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5. It says in Psalm 30, verse 4, Sing unto Jehovah, all ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For His anger endureth but a moment. Now, but a moment is a key phrase that point to Judgment Day. We've seen this several times. So here, and, and isn't that when God pours out uh, the cup of his wrath, his anger? So here, the statement is made, his anger endureth but a moment. So there, there's a time when God's angry, pouring out his wrath, the time we're presently living in, Judgment Day then it says in his favor is life what we were just mentioning christ is life christ is is uh, granted to those that god has predestinated to receive it receive him in his favor is life weeping may endure for a night and the moment of judgment day is also uh, judgment day is also typified as the night So, again, God is indicating that, yes, there is sorrow at this time. It's grievous to be corrected, to chasten. It's grievous to be severely tried. It's grievous uh, to live on this earth in the day of judgment. It's it's difficult at any time in the world. Ye will have tribulation. And it's even... Uh, more grievous when you go through great tribulation and come out the other side and you're still here, so yes, there is weeping in the night, there has been sorrow and tears shed by the people of God over these days as as they as they have struggled and and God recognizes that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning, and this would be the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the end of the judgment, the completion of judgment day. And again, another reason we're looking with good hope to October 7th, 2015. It's the 10,000th day overall of judgment since judgment began at the house of God. It's the perfect day. It's not just a good day or alright day. It's the perfect day for God to complete a judgment. It, it uh, can you think of a better number? Uh, ten thousand. Ten times ten times ten times ten. Ten to the fourth power, as as ten points to completeness and four tens, uh, in tenth to the fourth power indicates the furthest extent of the completeness, 10,000 days. It's been a long, dark night. Uh, uh, night first that came on the churches, as they entered into darkness, and then night that has come upon the world, as the light of the gospel has gone out. It's been a long road from our limited perspective. We don't have that eternal perspective of god we're we're just creatures of time and and 27 years is quite a while in our lives because our lives are not that long on this earth and and so god is encouraging yes there's weeping yes there's sorrow in in the night weeping in the day of judgment but joy is coming joy is coming it comes in the morning. Remember Daniel? Daniel um, was the most faithful man uh, that, that we, well, one of the most faithful men. We'll read about in the whole Bible. Certainly the most faithful man in Babylon. And it, it, it's interesting how God has broken up the book of Daniel. It's a 12-chapter book. The first six chapters are narrative. They they describe the historical circumstances and events of four uh, young Hebrew men. Uh, well, uh, by the time it concludes, Daniel's no longer young. But four Hebrews that, uh, in the beginning, they're young men that have been taken captive and brought into Babylon. And the book in, is a historical parable that teaches us about the Great Tribulation because for a time, Daniel and his three friends are serving the King of Babylon in Babylon. And that relates to God's command to his people to flee Judea and go into captivity. In, in the book of Jeremiah, when God would say, go into captivity, it was spiritually a picture of coming out of the New Testament church at the time of the Great Tribulation and, and going out into the world. So Daniel and his friends' experience in Babylon typified God's people that have come out of the church and uh, during the second part of the Great Tribulation and, and went into the world. They, the church age was over, so they lived in the world just like Daniel and his friends no longer lived in Judah, but they lived in Babylon, typifying the world. But then Babylon and Daniel 5 was taken in a night, and Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians, took the kingdom. The king of Babylon was killed, and Babylon fell after 70 years. Daniel 5 is describing Judgment Day, and Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians, also called Darius, is a picture of Christ coming as a thief in the night. Just read how unexpected the Babylonians were of uh, the Persians coming. And they, they were having a party. They had no idea they were going to be taken that night. Just like Christ took the kingdom of Satan... And of this world on May 21, 2011, and and, uh, the world was having a party when they thought it didn't happen, and unexpectedly, suddenly, Christ has taken Babylon. He came as a thief in the night, and the world is completely ignorant of it up until today. But then in Daniel 6, the circumstances have changed. Daniel is no longer serving the evil king or kings of Babylon as he did. Now, there's a good king, or at least good in the sense that he's favorable to Daniel. He likes Daniel, and he sets Daniel over the the princes. Daniel's one of three presidents and has the most power. But the princes and the presidents, the other presidents' plot, and they come up with a plan to trap Daniel and and to trap the king into having Daniel killed, and and so this good king, good towards Daniel, has no animosity towards Daniel in any way, has would seek the benefit for Daniel, is forced in into a place where he must condemn daniel by casting him into a lion's den and the the uh, the law of the medes and the persians demands it it cannot be altered the king tries to find some other way there is no other way he must be cast into the lion's den daniel is a picture of god's elect that beginning on May 21, 2011, are uh, left in the world, the world that's under the wrath of God, the world that's under God's judgment, and they too are left on the earth to live in the day of judgment in the time of spiritual night. And uh, it's significant that Daniel spent the night in the lion's den. We read in Daniel chapter 6, and, and Daniel 6 ends the historical narrative of the book of Daniel from chapter 7 through 12, its dreams and visions and that, the, that are unfolding with maybe a couple of statements. But there is no um, drama, no narrative as uh, through the earlier chapters because this is it. This is pointing to the end of Judgment Day and the conclusion of the whole matter. In, in Daniel 6, it says um, in verse 15, And these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake, and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought, and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Let me just um, read John 9, John 9, 4, where it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. That's another verse indicating judgment day is the night time in which Christ cannot work. There's no salvation. We've been living in spiritual night. At the end of the 12-hour period of laboring in the vineyard, evening comes, the work day, the day of salvation has concluded. There's just many references to uh, Judgment Day being like the night. And, and so here is Daniel passing the night in the lion's den. In verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, "O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions?" Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, And no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Notice how the king who would represent um, Christ or eternal God was exceedingly glad over him. Exceedingly glad when he came to the lion's den and the night had ended. The night was finished. The night was over. The law of God indicated he must remain for the night, or or excuse me, the law of the Medes and the Persians was that the king must do as was written and the man must be cast into the lion's den and it was determined that would mean just the night, just the night alone. And, And then when he came to the den and he had the stone removed, there was Daniel. He endured the night. He endured the lion's den. And what does God tell us? He that endureth to the end shall be saved. That God has told us that he will put the fire to us, that we will experience a fiery trial of faith, a burning. And those that come through the fire will be like gold, silver, precious stones. Daniel has gone through the fire Daniel has endured to the end and now the stone is lifted and the light shines. The light penetrates the darkness and there is a pleased king. There is a happy king, joying over his people, exceedingly glad over Daniel. Daniel has gone through and glorified the king. He's glorified him, and the king is well pleased with Daniel, and 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 so he is taken up out of the lion's den into the light, and God will take up His people after the moment, the, the, the um as it says in Psalm thirty, God's anger endureth but a moment, and there's sorrow and weeping in the night. But joy cometh in the morning. And, and this is the wonderful thing that each one of God's people has to look forward to. We're looking forward to an end. An end of the world, yes, but an end of trial, an end of a curse, an end of sorrow, an end of pain, an end of crying and weeping and tears. You know how many different words we have to express the same thing? Because there's so much of it in this world. An end to death is what we are looking forward to. It It is the great hope. It is a real hope. We have a definite real hope. Is there any hope in, well, the world will just go on. Let, let's hope the world never ends let 's just hope the world continues forever as some people believe most people, if not all actually maybe all unsafe unsafe people believe this deep down but but some people say it some people state it the world will never end oh it'll be here for billions of years it's been here for billions already it'll be here for billions more, which is another way of saying it's eternal they have trust they have great confidence in this sin-cursed earth but is it a good thing if the world just goes on in, in its death throes in its agony even the creation groans for redemption it, it it's uh, the there there will just increase more and more sorrow and tears and death and dying and the generation alive today will be gone if time were to continue, in a hundred years, they'll all be dead. All their hopes and dreams and things they live for, gone. And then a the next generation, and it continues and continues. There must be an end. There has to be an end. It's why the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-three eighteen, For surely there is an end, and thine expectation, speaking to the people of God, will not be cut off Thanks for joining us for E-Bible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study For more information or to hear additional Bible studies be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com